Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Coding to Think. With me, I've got Tato Morwani. Tato is a digital channel manager and strategist. She's got a lot of experience in the tech industry. Uh, she's a director of Giving Wins, an initiative to develop better communicators. She's got qualifications in leadership and organizational management. How are you doing, Tato? I'm well, thank you. And how are you? I'm good, thanks. So yeah, Tato, tell us a, a bit about your, your journey to becoming a digital channel manager and strategist. What's a, what's a digital channel manager do? I think it's a fancy way of saying you look after a channel <laughs> or a platform. So yeah um a little bit about my journey so i am from a town called rustenburg which is in the northwest and i think growing up as a child i've always been very curious and inquisitive about certain things in life so growing up i imagined myself becoming a psychologist funny enough because i love working with people and i love understanding behaviors and how people respond to certain situations I didn't end up doing psychology, so I then went into engineering. Funny enough, right? So you go from people all the way through to technical. So after six months of my engineering course, it quickly hit me that this is not for me. <laughs> I can still remember one of my maths lecturers telling us about how exciting it would be to work under aeroplanes and do mechanics and stuff like that. Yeah. And the thought of it was just so like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I then remembered how much I really, really enjoyed tech when I was in high school. Um, I started doing computer science in high school, and I got to really, you know, it was it was challenging for me, but in the same breath, it was quite exciting because you could already see how the world was moving into a tech kind of space, and yeah. the industry was growing. It was difficult to find, you know, stories around women who were in tech. But I thought to myself, like, you know, this is quite interesting. Let me give it a try. So six months into my industrial um, engineering course, I switched over to IT. And I was very fortunate to be in a university that enabled me to kind of pick what it is that I wanted to do in IT. Yeah. Um, I went yeah. to the Tuani University of Technology. And at that time, I think it was the only technology university that had multiple specializations in IT. So mm. you could do from software development to web development to business informatics, which really struck a chord in me because I enjoyed business. And it also was an opportunity for me to work with people because a lot around business informatics had to do with business analysis. Mm. So I went into it. And I think it was love at first sight. <laughs> I was six months late into it, but you know, you're never too late in life. So walking into the business informatics course was really amazing because I started understanding that there is more to take, just more than just coding. So yeah, the bug, I, I was bitten by the bug and I fell in love with it. And I went on to complete my course in business informatics. And I started working for a company as a consultant. So mm -hmm. you can imagine mm -hmm. fresh out of varsity, 
first job as an intern and it's kind of like a consulting house where you're put on different projects. And yeah. I remember my first project was nerve-wracking. I think we were about eight of us as interns walking into the space and it was a government institution. And, you know, with government institutions, there's this horrible stereotype about, you know, you hardly ever get to do anything. All you're going to be doing is sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and being an intern was kind of like also quite difficult because I think there's a stigma around being an intern where people kind of forget you. You come in and then you're there in the corner. (laughs) So I was very, very intentional around what I wanted to do. And I, I spoke to my managers at the time and I had asked to be moved because where I was, I wasn't doing much. And that's when I got into quality testing. So you go from engineering, business analysis to being a QA. But it was quite interesting because it enabled me to kind of start exploring within the system space. So yeah. we worked on old government systems and I started feeling like, oh, this is... <laughs> This is like a lot to take in. It's not necessarily what I signed up for, yeah. but it's good exposure. Good exposure because it would it would give me a leg up in trying to understand a little bit more around what happens with the, you know, because testing is really around how you bring together the requirements with the development, and now you're testing to make sure that it meets those requirements. So I spent a few months in that space, which was quite interesting, and then the bug bit again because I remembered that. Oh, analysis is my first love. Yeah. And then I got an opportunity to work for another organization where I got to do quite a bit of um, analysis work, which was quite exciting because it was in the retail space. So I got exposed to understanding how budgeting and forecasting systems are built, um, yeah. how algorithms are built to ensure that, you know, from a uh, retail perspective, we're able to budget accordingly, especially in sales. Mm. So, yeah, I spent some time there, <laughs> which was fun, but challenged quite a bit. I think I was very young and we were about a team of three people. Um, and a team, we had, I think, you know, it was a challenge because I was also the youngest and I had just walked into the space. So, there was a lot of finding myself going through that journey. It was a lot of understanding myself in that process um, because I think what I quickly realized is I'm able to identify what is it that I like and what is it that I don't like. So very quickly, um, after a few months of getting to understand the retail space, I then had a conversation with my manager and I got onto a project in the pharmaceutical space. Um, still in systems, still trying to figure out how this waterfall way of work can be implemented. Yeah. Um, the project I was on was primarily waterfall-based. And I remember having a conversation after three months being in that project. And my manager said, Tato, uh, do you know anything about Scrum? I was like, what? What's Scrum? <laughs> like, no, it's this new methodology that they're using to build systems. You know, it can enable us to test quickly and identify that. So... I, I quickly thought to myself, well, you know what? It's an opportunity to learn again. Let's try this. Um, but what I quickly realized is that I didn't really have the, the understanding of the, the methodology itself and the 
environment I was in was an environment that was primarily a waterfall environment in terms of development. So we would go through the cycle of development and we would have challenges. Um, but I quickly thought to myself, like, you know, the best way to learn is to identify a space where I can really learn about Scrum. And that's when I went to ThoughtWorks. And that's where I met you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, through ThoughtWorks, it was an opportunity to really learn around different ways of doing for us system development using Agile and Scrum and really getting the value up front. And from then on, uh, it, I, I think development started making it started making sense to me because yeah. I could imagine that we could, you know, we could quickly put it on paper. You could physically, it was something that was tangible yet inexpensive because we hadn't developed it. We yeah. could test things mm -hmm. out and we could really, you know, get that necessary feedback that's needed and focus on user needs, which I think previously I had not been exposed to. So. Mm -hmm. Went through that process, lots and lots of fun, you know, got to learn a lot there. Um, and then I moved on from that experience, did a few things within ThoughtWorks, which was quite cool. Um, then I found another opportunity, which yeah. took me back to consulting. <laughs> and I think in the space of consulting, for the time I was there with um, another organization, was really an opportunity for me to realize how organizations are struggling, especially legacy organizations, mm. around reimagining how digital can work in their environment. Because there's always this tension that's created by the digital narrative and the realities of organizations that are legacy organizations. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, I really wanted a challenge, a big, big challenge. So I found another opportunity with a rather with a, with a an organization that had a long history of legacy, not only yeah. in their systems, but even in their way of work. And I wanted a challenge, and that's how I ended up uh, moving over to Momentum, which is where I am. Yeah. And um, I'm currently the digital channel manager. So it's an exciting role where I get to manage a platform, uh, the app platform there. And I have an awesome team of developers, business analysts, designers, testers, and we can almost like assist the organization in how to how to address the legacy component of their issues um, mm. and how to imagine how digital can how digital can really, really change the way the organization interacts, not only with their clients, but also with the advisors, which is a big component of how momentum works. So yeah, basically we we do amazing things on the app. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, cool. Yeah, so you know, you know, when I was doing some research into what digital channel managers do, I, I realized that I there were certain misconceptions that I had around what uh, even channels are, right? Because I, I I came to realize that channels can be broad, and and when when you hear channels today, you're thinking. Ah, must be social media channels but then the more I looked into it the more I realized that actually channels could be a way that businesses interact with uh, uh, with their customers or customers get to interact with those businesses 
Yeah, so uh, tell us a bit more about that. How can we define that part, the the channel part? Because I it I'm I'm thinking if I had a misconception about what this is, there's probably people out there <laughs> that don't have a full understanding of the digital channel part. So very very aligned to your research, it's really around interactions with our client bases, and we use those channels in order for us to engage with those different clients. So in my space, and I think language is also something really, really, um, it, it's unique to each organization and how each organization interprets it. Yeah. So in our yeah. worlds, we've got a lot of um, we've got channels where we deal directly with advisors. So our business is primarily based on that um, advisor-client relationship. So yeah. those channels yeah. exist. And then we've got our client-facing channels, which you know sometimes can be referred to as platforms. So yeah. we've got yeah. focused primarily on the advisor component, and we build solutions for that. And then from uh, where I am, we build solutions for clients directly. Now, in that role, it, it encompasses quite a lot because you inherit an amazing platform, whether it be web, app, social media channels as well, which also can be seen as platforms. And you use a channel in order to build the solutions that are engaging and that also enable the, 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 the organization to optimize itself by delivering these solutions through these different channels. So, for example, on our side, on my side, it would be an app channel. My partner works on the web. And then we've got other channels such as chat functionality, social media that is also managed by another colleague. Mm. I think in, in the encompassing of the role is, you know, you ensure that you maintain, you support, you enhance, you grow the platform. Um, I think in my space, what's really, really exciting, <laughs> sorry, it's really, really exciting is that I get to do that specifically for clients. So you, Zadzi, who has a product with us, I get those solutions for you. And it also gives me an opportunity to also understand um, dealing directly with clients, what the needs are, and how do we translate those needs to usable, engaging features that can be used continuously. Because I think when we talk around um, digital and and building for digital, you build for use. You know, you build for experience and you build for engagement. So yeah. within that, there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of understanding, a lot of you know, using tools such as user testing to also gauge what makes sense, not only for the organization because I think business needs are always critical. But yeah. when you build with a client in mind, you know, you always reach the ultimate success because that means that you are answering the client's questions without even engaging with them because now you're creating those solutions for them. So yeah, in that space, there's a lot of that work that takes place. There's a lot of understanding, there's a lot of defining, and there's also a lot of um, you know having to look into ourselves because I think as businesses, when we create solutions, a lot of the times we create the solutions to fit the need of the business. What we are now going through in this legacy organization is how do we now tailor solutions to fit the needs of clients? And yeah. these amazing channels afford us the opportunity to do that. And by using um, amazing, well, great methodologies within IT, such as Agile, we are able to quickly test in the market and come back and, and you know, revisit what we've done. So, yeah, that's primarily what I do. I do a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, also just making sure that we 
we are on top of things in terms of what is happening in the tech space, what are the changes that are coming that impact our business and also impact our clients, and what changes come through that make us really need to take a, a step back and understand how do we create um, solutions that also fit into the changing world. I mean, you and I both know we are always, you know, the last two years have been a, in, we've seen a huge trajectory in changes and how clients relate back to digital. So being a channel manager also in, it forces me to go into that space of always thinking three steps ahead around what's happening in the industry, what's happening globally, what's happening locally that influence how we, how we address client needs. So, yeah. So, uh, during your experience as a consultant, um, you probably got to interact with different organizations and companies and might have picked up some of the, the, um, the challenges or mistakes that they develop, that, that they make when developing strategies around um, uh, either the um, product uh, plans or digital strategy. Uh, what what are some of those mistakes that you've seen um, organ organizations or businesses make when uh, coming developing um, a digital strategy? Hmm. Um, I think it's. I think for me, it's always been keep it simple. You know, yeah. I I think like simplicity is is the best way to deliver any kind of message. When we complicate things, we open up a door where, you know, you then go into this rabbit hole of trying to explain things all the time. I think the simplicity of it is what gives strategies power. Um, yeah. At the end of the yeah. day, you know, a strategy is always just an action plan um, that you formulate over a period of time to kind of like address the situation you're facing and also think forward around, you know, um, should things change? How would I approach a situation? So looking at a strategy a strategy is defining where an organization is going and also doing that with an action plan in mind. Yeah. And I think sometimes yeah. we, we do kind of overcomplicate over it. I think, you know, there's, there's things that <laughs> um, we try and add to strategies just to give mm -hmm. them meat. But I think a very simple strategy, my favorite is a one-pager. Um, tell us what it is that you want to achieve. Tell us the time frame in which you want to achieve it and tell us about the outcomes you expect to get out of it. And that's really my approach to building strategies. I think once, you, once you're clear on, on defining what your needs are um, as an organization, and it's really about the job that you need to get done. So yeah. it's understanding the business you're in. I always say, you know, I'm in a... I'm in a grudge purchase industry. Insurance is grudge purchase. No one wants to buy insurance. <laughs> um, but it's really around the job that needs to get done. And I think if you if you look at your industry and you tell yourself or your organization, wherever you are in terms yeah. of work or your career, or even as an entrepreneur, is what is it that you what you what what experience do you want your clients to have? Yeah. And once you've defined that experience, you just work backwards. Because you know that becomes your it becomes your organizational transform its transformational purpose. You know, I think organizations like Google and Tesla they do it really well. They sell you a purpose, yeah. um, and I always think to myself like that purpose becomes a very it's the heart of your strategy. 
it's once you once you're clear on that purpose your your strategy becomes easily defined and the simplicity of it enables it to be easily absorbed by your audience your people in like your in, the people in the organization that you you in as well as the clients that you serve so i think if organizations keep it simple <laughs> make it clear it's a plan guys it's just a plan you put your yeah. plan down and then you have an action plan around how you're going to achieve it and i think yeah if that approach is taken then it just it makes it easier yeah i like that keep it simple yeah so which leads me to um my next question we we all know that uh tech is forever changing this which is good which is uh probably the reason why we're in it uh because there's always uh something you're coming up now something exciting um but i imagine when you're developing a strategy for a uh, business or or uh you as a channel manager now when you are um trying to figure um to come up with a strategy uh imagine it makes it a bit tougher to um to decide on which channels for example to go for so um my question is how do we align uh our strategy with the forever changing technology and um yeah, innovation in tech. Um, so I think it's always, you know, I always go back to the purpose. Um, I think in the purpose, it's it, it helps you simplify in terms of your approach. The beautiful thing about tech is that there's always something out there. Um, I think over the last few years, we've started, you know, how do I put this? Like we're starting to realize more and more the importance of data. Um, I always say like data is like money, you know, when you follow the money, you know, <laughs> where you're going. Yeah, so you're following data um, yeah. really, really assists you in finding what needs to happen over the next few months. I'm always very cautious around creating strategies that are five years out, especially in IT, because we're ever evolving. So I'm always trying to think around three years from now and, you know, with exponential growth, you always, you know, you you almost, it's more slow, right? So like 18 yeah. months, you're yeah. always going to see rapid change. So it's always trying to take a step back and say, hmm, what are the things that are the central to, to technology today? And what we have identified is that what is central to technology is really data. So, you know, in understanding where the data, how the data is being used, um, where the data is going, you start understanding and seeing what your strategy needs to talk to. So for me, I'm very passionate about experiences and what data is now affording us in this whole ecosystem is personalized experiences. And when I think about personalized experience, I think about myself, you know, where you go through processes where you want things that are easy. And the more and more you start seeing what is happening in the environment and how people are engaging with these multiple different platforms, mm. you see the need for ease. People want things that are simple. They don't want to think too much. You know, like if I'm on my phone, three taps in, I must be done. So it's really looking at those human behaviors for me that really assist me in defining how the strategy should be implemented, well, how the strategy should look 
And then the ways of implementation around how we implement it is heavily based on how users interact. And doing a lot of research and understanding insights, um, I think it's quite critical. So right now, I think what most, well, people in this industry right now in IT, um, especially in the business field, data is, Data is one of those key things that I'm primarily focused on to understand how we create and develop new features and initiatives for clients. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, tell us a bit more about that. Because um, so, how how do you use data uh, to get an understanding of those experiences? Do do you? Because I, uh, I'm actually seeing the, the the psychologist part of you coming up here, trying to understand. <laughs> so, um, but then how how do you go about that? Do you uh, is it more like in person interviews that you do to understand, or um, how do you go about using data to have an understanding of the experiences that people have? So, um, I think. When it comes to people, so there's two parts to it, right? So there's what's existing and how people engage and interact with it. And then you find the gaps and you close the gaps by going through um, an iterative process of making the enhancements we needed. And this would primarily be around system-based solutions. So if you're looking at the platform, you've put out a, a, a feature of some sort, you, you use the data and the insight from that to see the how engaged your, your clients are. Um, I'm big on on people and psychology, so I watch a lot of documentaries around people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm big yeah. On that. Um, understanding behaviors is really big for me. So you know, pulling in that insight from from the knowledge that is out there, um, realizing the shift in people and what people are now passionate about. You know, we we're, we humans are humans are an amazing being because we're always trying to find the next you know you you're always trying to find ways to do better so yeah. I'll spend a lot of time doing a lot of research around that watching documentaries I, I read books that are you know you know like some are in tech some are in people a lot of psychology based books just yeah. to understand yeah. how the shift in people is happening and how People are, you know, there's a, there's a reliance on, on technology for them to, to not only um, advance themselves in a way, but find better ways of doing things with their time, with their, with their, with their um, knowledge, with, you know, the activities that humans are creating. And those activities at some point in time bring you back to technology because what are you going to do? Pick up your phone, log in, chat. And I think from learning from that, you start identifying ways in which whatever business solutions you have, you then apply it to behavior that you're seeing. So it's really expanding myself, um, allowing myself to be in spaces where I can learn a lot more speaking to people, people are amazing. So when I'm in places, I think before COVID, you know, I would have chats with people randomly just to understand who they are um, and use that insight just to also build on how I interact with my team. And then I think, you know, within the platform space, you know, we have amazing teams that are focused in insights, analytics, doing UX design, understanding journeys and you use that data to kind of like assist us in defining what experiences that we want to create. But I think if you 
you open yourself up to a lot more than what is in front of you in terms of like work and you go in read interesting literature or watch interesting documentaries that also assist me in getting my mind kind of like wired <laughs> when I have to do certain challenges. Another passion of yours is um, communication and being a better communicator and that's shown by one of your initiatives which is Giving Wings. Yeah, yeah so yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us a bit more about that. Why, why, is, why is Giving Wings important to you? Why is it important that people become better communicators? Giving Wings, huge passion project of mine. I think over and above passion project, it's also a business. A mm -hmm. uh, few years ago, my sister and I um, started a business where she was, we were both in corporate. And, you know, she saw a huge gap when it comes to communication, especially in young adults, as well as, you know, the older generation around how do you effectively communicate your message to an audience? How do you engage with an audience? How do you how do you build a rapport around what it is that you have to offer and ensure that the people that you're communicating to have an understanding of what you're saying? So a few years ago, we then decided, you know, we, we saw unemployment extremely high in South Africa, challenges, especially with kids that are coming from underprivileged communities. Mm -hmm. um, they struggle to really, really speak to what their value proposition is. Also, just to, to be, to, to actually enter an environment with confidence and speak to their ability. And we then decided to start giving wings. We started off with a youth development program in Olivent. And through that program, we initiated um, an opportunity for young, educated adults and young kids to come join us to go through a communication skills training course where we took them through things such as creating a CV, um, going for interviews, standing in front of an audience, whether it's a panel interview, and helping them in how do they share their message using very defined key um, phases within the program, which is really who are you? You know, the big question that everyone's afraid to be asked or everyone's afraid to answer, we really wanted to push these kids to really face that question and start defining for themselves who they are. We also um, we look at programs that address who do you want to be. So that's really talking to self-awareness, self-personalization, and also visualization, which is a big theme for us because we believe that, you know, you have to have a vision in order for you to achieve a dream. And lastly, you know, the program is also focused as where, where do you want to go? So remember earlier when we were talking about strategies and action plans, this is really now you sitting down and finding that action plan of yeah. where it is that you yeah. want to go. So the organization has grown. We've got two parts of it. So we've got the corporate leg. Um, my sister was fortunate enough to be able to be in the business full time. I'm part time in the business. Uh, yeah. So we do a lot yeah. of work with corporates around, you know, uh, leadership development, self awareness and development, executive coaching, a lot of personalized journeys that are built specifically for the individual to help them achieve their goals. And then we have another side of the program, which is our, our nonprofit 
organization. And that's really primarily at the heart of what we do, which is giving back as well to youth. So yeah, it's an exciting space to be in. It's been a bit difficult with COVID because we run a yearly program with young kids in um, Oliven. You know, our plan was to really expand it last year. We wanted to bring on another township, but it was difficult with COVID. So our hope is we'll get to run it again this year with a bunch of awesome, amazing kids. We are targeting kids within grade 10 and 11. And yeah, it, it's, it's quite an interesting space to be in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it also does resonate with me, like um, being able to improve your communication skills because as, as a developer, developers are not <laughs> um, normally associated with being excellent communicators right um technical technical skills yes um but communication skills uh it's not something that they're normally associated with but i i have seen the benefits of working on communication skills and being able to articulate um my thoughts and um uh my thinking uh so how do you how do you see that uh, playing out for for p- people like myself that are developers and um, I, I'm not normally associated with being excellent communicators? How do you see something like giving wings benefiting benefiting them? So definitely, I think there's a benefit for all skills, you know, like everybody communicates, but not everyone's an effective communicator. And what does that really mean? And an effective communicator is really about your ability to capture your audience, share your message and leave them with something that that resonates. You know, people should, should be remembered when you leave the room in terms of the message that you want to impart. And I think what we really focus on in giving wings is is making sure that your message is clearly defined. You know, we can say a lot, but I think it's it's always important to be able to define what it is that you're saying. So going through the, 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 the opportunity or the courses that we offer in giving wings is how do you craft your message? How do you craft your message that will resonate with the audience that you're speaking to? And it's also understanding that your audience is never the same audience all the time. So, you know, when I spoke earlier around keeping it simple, I think yeah. that's also something yeah. that is very, very critical when communicating. Because from a technical perspective, if you are presenting to, to a room that is full of business people and a couple of technical people, you know, you can't go too deep. Otherwise, you lose your audience. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So in the company and, and in the courses that we offer, we teach the individuals that we work with those kind of you know, like understanding who your audience is, what is your message, clearly defining your message by going through a funnel process of removing the fluff. You know, the fluff is always good. You know, you have the fluff in your message and it's all, you know, we're using big language, but who's really (laughs) understanding it? And I think that's that's what's beneficial. As you walk into the different spaces, you're able to craft your message to to, to really feed your audience and in the same breath, leave them with something. You know, people should walk away from your session or your talk or whatever it is that you're sharing. At least 80% of the room should understand. And I think sometimes we're in the technical space 
it, it proved yeah. to be a little bit difficult for everyone to get your message understood. So yeah, simplifying it, crafting it, mm. speaking to your mm -hmm. audience. And it's not to say you will not have a technical audience. It's, it's mm. also just how you deliver your message because mm. in delivering your message, there's also a component of capturing your audience. So we assist um, individuals in doing that and crafting it quite well and being able to present it with confidence because I think that's also so important. You know, you need to bring your best self forward and when you're confident in what you're sharing, everybody else just, we all accept it. We're like, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that brings me to uh, my last question, which is, um, so w what are some of the interesting problems that you would like to solve? I mean, you're already solving a really interesting one, which is around communication, one that uh, also re resonates with me. Um, yeah. What other uh, interesting problems that you're looking at solving? Sure. <laughs> I, think, um, I think people are my, yo. So I think over the last few months, you know, mental health has been such a big thing for me. Um, yeah. We've gone through a really, really tough phase in, in the world. And I think the world all over, we are finding new ways of, of problem solving, new ways of engagement, new ways of communication. Yeah. And mental health over the last few months has been something I'm really passionate about. Um, you know, when you work in a team and you see the challenges that people are going through with COVID and then, you know, personal issues. I mean, I work out of my daughter's bedroom. I don't know how many times she tries to kick me out in a week because now I'm homeschooling too. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really around how do we solve for, for mental health? And I think for me, it starts with understanding the person. You know, we come home, we, we don't go to work half a person. You don't have your work person and your home person. We come home and, and creating a work-life balance for me is creating a space in our work environment. When people leave the office, they can be present at home. You know, you don't have to sit and, and be stressed about, oh gosh, I've got these 10 things to submit. So now, now you're home, but you're not home. You know, it's bad enough we have to work in our homes. But now when you, your, your day is done, my, my main objective is to try and, and not get people to continuously think about work because that means they're not present. And if you're not present at home, when you get to work, you're not present at work because, you know, it, it's the cycle of life. Mm -hmm. So creating spaces in, in my team where we can have open, robust communication, where we can, we can be upfront about what is challenging where we can sit together and actually formulate solutions together and you don't have one individual giving direction on everything. It's, yeah. it's that environment yeah. where we are continuously communicating and aligning with each other. And it's been, a, it's been a difficult road for me to travel. I think, you know, when you walk into any space, you, you bring forward what you know and, and you try and impart as much as you know to others. But what I've learned in the last few years, especially in my current role, is when you walk into a space, you need to enable the people around you to kind of like give you an indication of who they are and, and help that define and direct how you will engage with that team. Um, I always say, you know, being a leader has made me one of the 
or has made me a student. I, I sit in, I sit literally at the front of the lecture room. You know, the, the team is my lecture and I'm the student. <laughs> so I'm always sitting and learning from them. And what that has enabled me as a leader is to take a step back and think beyond, you know, just my needs and just delivering on these needs. It's, it's understanding the people I'm working with and how to create, create the best environment for them to continuously thrive. And for me, that is creating that work-life balance where when you're at work, you can be whole at work, you can be present, you can work to deliver what you need to deliver. And when you're at home, you can be home. You know, you shouldn't be like consumed with work issues. And that's how I'm trying my best to create a space where there is that sense of work-life balance. So, yeah. Tato, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to catch up with you. And I've, I've also learned quite a lot today. And I hope our viewers and listeners have also learned from your story and what you had to share with us today. Um, uh, one more thing um, regarding your work and all the, the initiatives you, you're taking, how do people follow you and your work? You can follow me on LinkedIn, Tato Morovani. Uh, Tato, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tati.